What? And as I can see, it doesn't work. It's not about, that, that change doesn't happen like that. Change happens as a process. And that, the reason for that is that God, the, the, one of the most valuable things that God places on human beings is relationship. Relationship with one another and relationship with him. And just as we have children and, you know, you don't have this... Let's play a game here, all right? I mean, again, I, I wasn't planning to say this, but that's fun anyway. I mean, I sort of listen and say, well, okay, let's play with this. Um, you know, you don't... Cheryl, come here a minute, please. Might as well embarrass you. You don't um, say, Jesus... Uh, we pray that you make us pregnant. <laughs> Do you? Or should we pray? No. Oh, Lord. No, you've got to get some action, right? Off you go. Thank you. It doesn't just, uh, it doesn't just happen. And for those of you who thought it did, well, we've got some classes for you as well. It doesn't just happen. You don't just come to God and say, God, I give you my frustration, I give you my anger, I give you my addiction. And he goes, of course, here I take it. He does. But if you look at the way Jesus worked with his disciples and you look at the way Jesus works with all the people in the scriptures, it's a relationship that takes time and effort. And Jesus was speaking to um, his disciples. um, Because the other thing that that we do, and I do, so I'm speaking from experience, the other thing you do is I keep saying, um, Oh Lord, we just ask you to come. Lord, we just ask you to do this. We just ask you to do that. And I know that God's been saying to me and I've been saying to you, uh, He said yes. And as soon as I hear, Oh, He said yes, now what? Because it all just seems the same as when I prayed. You know, a few minutes ago I prayed and asked God to do something and, and then it, I opened my eyes and you're still here. And so am I. And we need to understand that God's yes is a promise that says, okay, walk into it. But it all looks the same. Yeah, but I'm going to change you as you walk. I don't feel like it. Oh, what's this? Oh, what's that? Sure, I'll do that. Yep. We get distracted. You don't know how many times someone in my position hears the words from people, I was going to. I was going to. I was going to be at Soaking Prayer. I was going to come on Tuesday night. I was going to be there on Sunday, but... And you go, wow, that's cool. If I'm Jesus, I go, you just bump me. You just bump me. I, I, I'm too busy. And you go, too busy doing what? Well, I'm too busy doing what? Doing what I want to do. Oh. But that sounds too naked. 
So let's, let, let's say something else. And Jesus said this to his disciples, because what I'm trying to say is that before God, there's all kinds of things going on. And he said to his disciples, um, as they were questioning about food, and he was saying, no, 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 I'm not talking about this kind of food. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the, the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages, even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is, is, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. What's he saying? You remember when Jesus was feeding the 5,000? The crowds came to him on those hills in Galilee. And he looked across them and he said, uh, he saw people without a sheep without a shepherd. What Jesus was saying to the disciples, he said, everywhere I look I see people who are lost and hungry, who are surviving. I just need people who have been found to go and share to go and heal the sick and to go and say there is one who loves you beyond your dreams but they need to see evidence of that in you I need you to be a testimony to them I need you to share with them that you were screwed up and still are but I have loved you and you've met with me and I just want you to tell them that and then look at them in the eye and say if he can do anything in me honey he can do something in you or buddy depending who you're talking to It's not difficult. That guy up there who spoke about being angry and living in Liverpool and skateboards and stuff, I don't think he said, I spent 15 months in a, in a training camp to share how Jesus touched me. It came out of his inside. And that's what the early church was like. Let me... Uh, Go back to Acts chapter 8, which was. See, if you want life, if you want life, if you want to come alive, then let God activate you now. If you're waiting for a circumstance, if you're waiting for more money or for another holiday or for something to change outside of yourself, you will wait forever. Because waiting doesn't develop your character. Waiting just builds victims. If you blame everything around you, it doesn't matter who you are. It just builds victim. It's not my fault. You don't understand. And that's why God says, I want to build a family of people who will support one another so that they can actually grow into the giants that they are and begin to take land in their lives and around them. And every single one here can do that. If you want to be fully alive, let God be fully alive in you. But the bad news is you can't do it on your own. The good news is you can't do it on your own. There's another thing that Jesus is doing in relationship. He's always doing this. He's saying... Um, I love you. You want me to put my arm around you and say, I love you. All right? So he's walking along with Leoba saying, I love you. 
I love you, I love you. And then he says, can I have what you have? Go, you can sit down now before we get way beyond where we can go. And he, sa- so he says, um, how much do you love me? And Jesus looks at us, certainly with us, and says, um, I love you a whole lot. How much? Well, everything I've got is yours. And I came onto this planet and I, I could have been a good example, but you had a problem with stuff that was unresolved in your life and you needed forgiveness which would have killed you and I actually laid down my life for you. I took your place. I paid your price. Before you even knew me. But what happens if I rejected you? I guess I, for you I gave my life for nothing. But love is unconditional, so I love you anyway, so you're going to have to deal with that. Hmm. It's not fair. I wanted to say in it. Yeah, but from where you were, you couldn't say much. And I saw your need before you understood what your need was, so I did it anyway. I took the risk. Because I, I adore you. You're my kid. I mean, you know how you love your kid? Well, I love you a whole lot more than that. And when you screw up, I know why you're screwing up. You don't necessarily know why, but I could help you if you'd let me. But the problem is you're so screwed up now you don't even trust me and I'm good news. Shoot. So what do we do? Well, I guess I'm going to invite you to join places where there are other people with skin on and you can help get healed up because they're going to help you trust again. And you're going to stop standing and crying in your room and saying, God, help me, and nothing changes because nobody's around to help you change. So I'm going to love you through other people. But I'm scared of that. I know you are. But I'm going to let you be in a place until you're so scared of what you are that you're going to take the risk of going into something better. And that's why God calls us into community. Many, many, many of us are crippled emotionally because we still are living behind our defenses. We're still living half alive. You can have this part of me, but not that part of me. I'll share this part, but I won't share that part. And when we don't want to share things, then we talk about beliefs. When we don't want to do something, we talk about beliefs, or we talk about being busy. It's a way of being rebellious politely. Or, in the Christian scene, we say, God told me. And it's not be- you can't verify it, because you won't let it be verified. You just say, God told me. Now, there is actually a biblical teaching along this line. If you look at Philip, and we're going to uh, have to move here, but that wasn't bad though. That, that whole thing is, is important. This whole area of God loving us, you know, working in us and through us. What I want to encourage us, and this, by the way, is meant to be encouraging, is that God loves you and me enough to say, I need to look at your character and your pride and your self-sufficiency because those are the killers and I love you enough that I'm not letting you off the hook and we can do this for two months or we can do this for 25 years it's absolutely up to you my love is there's none of my love left to give it's all given so it's totally up to you
You look at uh, Philip, this guy who was uh, in the New Testament uh, in Acts, which is Acts is about the beginning of the early church. Jesus had gone to the cross, he had risen, he had what they call ascended, which means he just vaporized. We don't really know what he did, but he disappeared in front of the disciples. And an angel appeared to them and said, what are you looking up for? Get on and do something. And Jesus had told them to go and wait in Jerusalem, for, and they waited eventually for six weeks. They didn't know how long it was. We talked about that last week. And he said, you need to be filled with power. My spirit, which is, is, is my life in you in a way that's never been available in the world before, because I've not, I'm not going to ask you to live the Christian life in your own strength. I'm going to live in you. It's all a mystery, and there's slightly little bits we can understand that can make it all sense, if that makes sense. And so the early church were people who they saw Peter, this fisherman, stand up boldly and speak about Jesus in front of the Jews and said, you killed them and uh, he's risen from the dead. He saved my life and he can, he can do it for you too. And they said, what do we need to do? And he said, repent. In other words, say, Lord, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. And, and ask him to make himself alive in you. And they said, oh, yeah, 3,000 people in one day said that. That's a pretty good beginning to church. 3,000 people. I said, well, let's get baptized. And they were lined up at the mikvahs, which are the uh, baptismal pools or where they went into the temple to get purified. They just kind of hijacked those and used those for baptisms and, and baptized them and said, you know, welcome in. And Jesus' spirit filled them and they began to walk around saying, there is something alive in me that never was before when I went to the temple. God is alive in me. I, don't, I can't make sense of it. It's just different. And then they would talk about it and they'd begin to learn about the experience they had, but things were different. And there were so many people and they began to say, well, you know, it's very, all very well for you to say I love God, but I've got no money and, and, and my, you know, there's a widow here who hasn't got any money. And they said, well, we're going to feed them, we're going to share. What have you got? How much have you got? Open your bank accounts. Come on, let's be transparent. And they said, okay, here we go. And they started sharing what they had and people got fed and people got looked after. Remember, we just quickly noticed Ananias and Sapphira. They were two who came in and said, well, you can have some of it. And they got killed. That was scary. And God was just saying, don't mess with me. Don't lie. Don't pretend you're generous when you're not. Don't hoard your stuff and then say you're giving. Be real. If you don't want to give, that's fine. Just don't pretend you are. I like God. He's no BS, you know. He's like, he says it. Religion doesn't. Religion is full of BS. It's sort of polite. I don't want to offend you because I know you give 10 bucks and I don't want to offend you because then we might not have it and we couldn't keep this building. That's not God. He goes, on my terms or no terms. He messed me up so completely. I have a lot of respect for him now in terms of don't mess with him. Don't mess with him. Don't BS him. Don't pretend you can get away with stuff. Don't think that you can justify it. It doesn't work. If you want to know my, you know, I'll tell you. Where's all this going? Philip was one of the people who was with Stephen. I'm just going to freewheel this morning, I think. Um, Philip was one of the guys, when they had all these widows and they needed to look after the widows, and they said, we need pe- people to look after the widows. And the disciples said, well, we're busy enough talking in the marketplace and healing people and praying. And, and so they said, Get together seven men who are filled with the Holy Spirit and know Jesus. Hugely important. They need to know who Jesus is. They need to be filled with his spirit. What do you mean, just putting out tables in the, in, the, in the room next door? Yeah. Why? Because it's more than that. 
Because they put out a table and a, a, a widow sits next to them and she's sick and we expect you to lay hands and heal her. We expect God to meet with them at that table. That's a banqueting table. You're not just doing tables for widows. You are ministering to God's daughters. You need to have a big vision and a huge identity of who you are. And so they selected seven men who were known to be full of God's spirit. And that's the, I don't know, some point. If you want God to work in your life, and if you say to God, God, I want you to change my character. And he wants to change every character here, by the way. Just continue to transform. If you want God to work in you powerfully, deeply, and accelerate that, then listen to what that story is about from Philip, where they selected people who were known to be filled with the Spirit. Why does it say this? In verse chapter 6, who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. Why is that important? Because I think one of the things that's killing the church in our generation is people who come up and say, I'm filled with the Spirit, God told me this, and this is my gifting, and this is what I'm doing. And you go, oh shoot. Now if I say no to you, I've just ruined your character. You're going to storm out of the church because I didn't appreciate your gifting. And I go, but I've been in the church for 30 years and I'll tell you one thing about gifting, that it doesn't present like that. The gifting of the Holy Spirit does not present like that. The gifting of the Holy Spirit presents... Hi, my name's John. How can I serve? What do you need? That's it. And out of that relationship and out of that humility comes release. You know what the other thing happened? What another part of the gifting of the Holy Spirit that comes through everyday life, through everyday relationship, is. Yeah, I'd love you to help, John. Uh, we've, got, we've got these tables that we need people to look after uh, each week. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 12. The gifting and the evidence of the Holy Spirit at its deepest level, most powerful and profound level, is John turns up at 10 and helps to set up. And John helps every week. And he's absolutely reliable. And his word is absolutely trustworthy. There's no excuse. There's never, oh, I couldn't make it. And if I can't make it, I'll let you know ahead of time. There's consideration, reliability, and consistency. That's evidence of the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, and when you show joy in doing that, then people in leadership like me go, I'm noticing, John. I'm liking what I see. I love having him around. He's encouraging. He's reliable. He's helping build. It's not just about him fitting me in whenever he can. He's really committed to this. I can see God in him. God's touching his character. He's not only touching his character. He's actually encouraging other people. And the body is built up. You want God to work in your life. Get serious about the simple stuff. 
like turning up on time, offering yourself with humility and being reliable. You'll see more healing in your life than just coming up for prayer and saying, God, please change me. It's not romantic, but it's powerful. And Peter, Philip was called by God to serve at these tables, and he did. And out of that, you read, um, the church grew, and then Peter's friend Stephen, who was working at those tables, Peter's friend Stephen began to speak out. And he was taken in front of uh, the authorities, and he was, I mean, we've talked about this, he, he was persecuted. P- Stephen's said, no, my role is just tables. No. God took him from those tables and he took him in front of the leadership and he said, speak about who I am. And Stephen did. And then he said to them, you're always resisting the Holy Spirit. And Stephen was taken outside and he was killed. He was stoned to death for basically speaking truth. And one of the people who watched him was Saul, who was then going to be Paul who wrote half the New Testament. And we'll talk about him next week. But Stephen's, the way he served tables, the way he spoke to the leaders, and the way he died was what probably touched Saul and transformed him and opened up the way for God to use that man as one of the greatest spokespeople for Christianity the world has ever seen. But it didn't come cheap. It's real easy to pray for God to open up the heavens and say, may Jericho Road be a a church that counts in Port Alberni. This is the toughest area of North America. Do you think that we're going to break through in in, in Port Alberni and Vancouver Island with a half-hearted, lukewarm commitment that doesn't make any sacrifice? We haven't got a hope in hell and we've already proved that. And I'm not berating you, I'm just calling it as it is. We have to say, Jesus, burn the fire in me and I'm here to count for something. And you will see something incredible happen. But it's not going to happen while you're watching other people, while you're going on your vacations, while you're doing your stuff on your agenda. It's going to happen when God says, if I say move, I want you to move. If I say to you, I don't want you to go, I want you to give your money to something else this year I want to hear you say Lord whatever because I'm blessed I don't know what it is for each person I'm just saying that's what it takes and Philip saw his friend killed he saw his friend killed or he didn't see his friend he knew his friend I don't know whether he saw Stephen killed but if I had been there and Stephen my friend had been killed and suddenly there's six guys waiting on table what happened to Steve? well we buried him yesterday Why? Because he stood up for Jesus. Whoa. Philip goes, yeah, I'm on my way. And and great persecution broke out and he went down to Samaria and he started speaking about Jesus. And the power of God was upon him. He healed people and he saw the sick made well. And then he came to this place where God spoke to him and said, there's going to be this Ethiopian who's going to be coming along in a chariot. He's very influential and I want you to go and speak to him. And he goes up to that. He still doesn't know what he's going to say. And he goes up to the chariot because it happens as, he, as God told him. And he says, what are you reading? Because the Ethiopian is reading. And he says, I'm reading from Isaiah, but I don't know what this means. Can you help me? And he helps him. And what does Philip do? He takes that opportunity to talk about Jesus. 
There are a lot of people who would have dissected the passage of Isaiah and not ever mentioned the name of Jesus. But you can't help but speak of what you know in your heart. So he just springboards off that. And the Ethiopian is convicted and he says, this is good news. And then he sees a puddle and he says, let me get baptized. And they get baptized. What's that all about? It's that God moves quickly. He moves incredibly slowly. And then he moves very, very quickly. What does that mean? It means we need to be prepared for the quick moments. And you don't get prepared for a quick moment by watching DVDs or television or the Crystal Cathedral. You don't get prepared for the big moment by listening to worship. You get prepared for the big moment by serving and building relationships in the context of a community where you learn how to lay hands on people where you learn how to speak where you learn how to step into what God has done for you and you know what? we're doing that aren't we? I'm just exhorting us and encouraging us to say don't give up on that push in on that more and more and don't be shy to call one another and say where were you? we needed you Showing up is 50% of building the lifeblood of a community. And Philip was used by God incredibly powerfully. But what I'm trying to say is it didn't just happen. It was built out of relationship. Philip didn't walk along and hear the Spirit of God speaking to him and then say, yes, I'll do that, out of nowhere. He was in a community where he saw other people listening to God and he said, how does that happen? And then they learned together and so one day he was able to go, I, can get, I get this and I'm going to act on it because I've learned to trust this. And it goes full circle back because when Philip went to Samaria and when he spoke to people and they, had, they saw wonderful things happen, the guys in Jerusalem, John and, uh, Peter and John, came down to Samaria and said, what's going on here? It was a circle of accountability and openness. So they could check each other out and say, look, I, d- I want to make sure that I, what I told them was okay. I want to make sure that this was cool. Does this make sense to you? It just means that we're all in this thing together. We don't own anything. We, sh- we, 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 we help each other. But we, go, we want to see people, people's lives transformed. We live in a culture right now of depression, of despair. Our culture right now is we've got no solutions to you. If you're a kid in a school, nothing is a solution except that phrase, nothing is a solution. We have no answer for you, we'll medicate you. I mean, if you're, if you're 10 years old and you're looking like you're a little angry, we'll put you on Ritalin just in case. We will medicate you before we will even find out if you're a human being or not. Because as soon as you take the spirit out of humanity, that's all you're left with is behavior modification. You have to operate from the outside in. And when God comes into the place, he says, that kid is acting out because his parents are divorced. There's nothing for him. He's screaming out. And you're medicating, screaming out of a child that I created because he should be screaming out. And you're saying it's bad behavior and I'm saying it's a symptom of a broken heart.
And if you can't allow the God of the universe to come and minister to a broken heart, then all you've got is drugs and foster homes and bouncing people around for 20 years and then saying, why are they in jail now? And the Christian church gather together and sing about amazing grace and nobody goes out and talks about this loving God who can minister to the broken. So the answer is here. The answer is you. The answer is me. The answer is me learning how to, when I'm faced with somebody or I come in contact with somebody and something comes up in them that says there's a need, I can say, I know somebody who can meet that need. Let me tell you about God. Not in a high religious way. I'll tell you about my brokenness and I'll give you... I'll just tell you my story and say, you know what, I couldn't get there either. And then I just dared to say, God, if you're real, please help me. And he did. And he used other people to walk alongside me and encourage me. And they had time. That meant they didn't do other things. They had time for me. And gradually he began to release me into hope. And then out of hope he began to lead my steps in a direction. I was thinking about that driving into town because I can complain a lot easily, you know. And I say, Lord, why am I back in Port Alberni? And why am I doing this? And, you know, I just talk to these people and they just look at me every week and go, hey, when you? I'm joking a little bit. And, you know, I, I go, God, if I think of where I was five years ago and what you've done, I just want to cry. Because you've restored everything that I lost. Everything. Everything. And now I'm busy, right at this moment. I'm going to Australia to visit my brother in two weeks' time for four weeks. I haven't seen my family for four, seven years, eight years. I've got a book that I'm writing on the whole sort of saga of this. I've got a CD that I'm recording. I mean, everything that I long to do. God has released. And he said, John, if I answered your prayer now to do something more, you wouldn't have time. And it's just saying, I am so blessed to be with you. And as soon as I start talking like that, something rises up in me that goes, that's wonderful. And I'm learning, slowly, how to reframe life day by day. And instead of seeing the things that aren't complete yet, go, thank you so much, Lord, for what you've done. And instead of saying, oh, but this person, this person, they don't respond and I'm fed up with them. He said, don't worry, so am I. I was with you for years. <laughs> Just keep doing what you're doing with humility and faithfulness and see what happens. I just want to share that with you as an encouragement, you know, because sometimes we're always waiting for something to happen. This is where it's happening today. Today is when it's happening. How we do today will determine how we get to tomorrow. And God says yes to you. He says yes to you this morning. He says, everything I have is yours. I cannot love you anymore. I cannot give you anymore. The part that I need from you is just a response and then to surround yourself with people who can help you on that journey. And I promise you, you will see change. And I promise you, 
you will be blessed beyond your understanding. But there are habit patterns in you that kick in. And that's what's going to take time. So be encouraged. We're a work in progress. If we want to speak with the power of Philip, we need to walk in the humility of Philip. So if you're available, if you're open, if you're saying, Lord, this is me, then let's stand and he'll and just... You know, I really believe this is important to every week say, you know, let's just say, here I am, Lord. Because God speaks to us in all kinds of different ways. And if you are afraid of him, if you're afraid of what he will ask of you, you tell him that too. The biggest area for most of us is our comfort. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that whatever we've talked about this morning, uh, you will activate in our own hearts. You talk to Jesus yourself, just as we, as we're sitting here, standing here now. He knows you so deeply, and He loves you so passionately. And all He's saying to you and to me is, you know, I, I need help. I had to come in the human form because that was the only way I could speak to human beings in a way that was on their level. I need help so that the people in Port Alberni can know that my love is real. Could I, do you think I could use you? Do you think I could teach you a little bit more? Do you think I could walk alongside you and, and take you into another place? And some of us might say, ah, well, but, 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 and he says, you know what, you'll get there quicker if you trust me than if you don't right now. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your love and I thank you for your promises of every life here. I thank you that you release your spirit in every single person here. If, if you could see Jesus desire for your life right now if that could just materialize in front of you there wouldn't be one person in this room who wouldn't run towards it if you could see what Jesus had for you you, wouldn't, you would just say now, 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 now and so Father I'm going to also get um, a bit louder in Jesus name I speak against everything that would resist the Lordship of Jesus in our lives and I speak against words spoken over people. I speak against curses. I speak against everything that is energized from the dark side of the Spirit in the name of Jesus. And I break it over you in the name of Jesus. I declare the Lordship of Jesus and the effectiveness of the cross of Jesus and the blood of Jesus over every person in this building right now. That there is nothing that can separate you from God's life or love because of what Jesus has done on the cross. He is Lord and he is king, and he is powerful. And Satan, we declare right now that you are defeated, you are a liar, and you deceive. And I speak death to every word that speaks in us right now that deceives us about what is truth. And I speak freedom and the truth of Jesus, that these words of love, these words of hope, these words of purpose are true for you if you want them. 
Because, Father, we want to raise up men and women in this place like Philip and Stephen and Saul and Paul who will stand for you and serve for you and declare for you and heal the sick for you and know joy and power in there. Be people of hope rather than just comforting the blind because we are blind. So receive the fullness of God and walk in it. Receive the fullness of God. Receive his life. One last thing. What we're doing right now, you need to understand what I'm doing. This is like getting your, your visa card and you phone up and say, I want to activate it. And they take a few details and they say, okay, it's activated. Now you can use it. That's all we're doing here. We're activating. So if you've got a problem with... Uh, Anything you like. You could, it could be lust, it could be anger, it could be laziness, it could be uh, BS, it could be anything. If you have a problem, you just say, Jesus, I give it to you. And I ask you to, tell, to activate the opposite. I ask you to stir in me the opposite of that thing. So if, if there's anger, I ask you for peace. I receive your peace. And what we're also doing by standing is saying we have things to do. And God's inviting us to do that with him right now. So Father, thank you. Bless what you're doing. Bless the cries of our heart. Bless what you're wanting to release among us. Receive, receive, receive. In the name of Jesus.